Welcome to the Les Spellman Podcast, where we redefine how athletes develop speed by giving them the tools to play faster. When we're thinking about changing someone's running technique, or we're thinking about making somebody faster, a lot of times athletes are looking at it from the standpoint of like, all right, I've been told a million times, run on my toes. I've been told a million times, uh, you know, relax or open my hand or close my hand. So athletes are coming to us with a preconceived notion of what's right or wrong. Um, and typically it's been from somebody that hasn't really been that qualified to dictate if they're running fast. So if you think about it, the first time somebody picks up tennis, it's probably the first time they've ever touched a tennis racket. They're gonna get better at the sport exponentially and they're gonna get better pretty quickly because it's a brand new stimulus. They haven't been, they don't have any presets. They don't have any, uh, preconceived notions of what holding a tennis racket or swinging looks like. But when you get to a sport like soccer, where you're required to sprint, most of the time, if you're doing sprint training and you get into sprint training, it's not the first time that you've sprinted. So you have, you have a lot of habits you've built over the course of 10, 15, 20 years that might dictate or might help you uh, or hurt you based around what you're thinking. So a lot of times when I get athletes for the first time, it's not the first time they've ever been coached. So what I look to do when I first start with these athletes is I look to approach it from a physical standpoint. So can I physically put you in a bucket, either by testing or by verbally asking you questions or by looking at you? I need to understand really the first lens is how good of an accelerator are you? Can you accelerate? And if I look at acceleration, I can really look at three different areas. I can look at the beginning part of acceleration. So think of an athlete coming out of the track block or thinking of an athlete starting at a two-point stance. Then I can look at weight acceleration. So is the athlete have the ability to transition their acceleration into higher speed? And then lastly, I look at velocity. Can you continue to accelerate and get to climb to higher speeds? And, you know, th- your acceleration isn't done when you're, you're just upright like you might accelerate continuously over the course of 40 50 meters so the first thing i do is look at that lens and from there i can understand what physical quality do i need to give this athlete to improve that quality so if you're not a good accelerator it's very similar to not being strong you're not strong so you you can't be powerful in that area so the exercises and drill sets you'll do are very specific to building strength especially horizontally so you can take that, the strongest athlete from the weight room, you could take an athlete that deadlifts 600 pounds, that can squat, whatever, but when you put them on the field, they still can't accelerate. Typically, that's because they can't apply that force, that strength, horizontally in the horizontal plane. So there's drills and, and sets of things that we'll do to improve that. Now, if you move to the next area, there's a physical quality for late acceleration. Typically, that's being really reactive and being able to switch your limbs. So if you think about reactive, I'm saying faster and faster contact as the velocities get higher. If you're not able to produce a fast ground contact time or hit the ground with a lot of force, or which we call impulse, force and time, then you're not able to actually increase your speed. Even if you work on all the stride length exercises and you work on getting you know, your hips taller, all those things, if you can't hit the ground harder, as the velocity gets higher, there's a minimum requirement that you need to have for ground contact. So athletes are going to struggle if they don't have that. So there's physical skills and physical qualities that will fill in. So those will typically look like 
build up runs. Those will typically typically look like light resisted runs. Those look like those types of things that are, you know, medium and also switching. So we, we talked about this a couple of times in other podcasts, but being able to get to full range of motion, flexion, extension, forward and back, and then be able to get it back under your body. That's a skill. We call that switching. We practice that a lot in our warm ups. You practice that in a lot of different ways, but that, that skill is the, the single most connecting factor to your speed at transition. Now, if you look at velocity running fast, we know that has a lot to do, a lot to do with your contact time, but also has a lot to do with your frequency and step length. So when you hear athletes like say like stride frequency and stride length, like, yeah, there, there, there is, there is some uh, truth to that. But when you're at top speed, if you were to look at two qualities that you could look at it as an athlete being successful or not successful, you have frequency and stride length. So within frequency, we know frequency is ground time and air time. And typically what we're looking for, actually all the time, what we're looking for is the athlete to produce more air time than ground time. Now at the beginning of a run, it's kind of the opposite. You want less air time, more ground time. But at max velocity, that relationship between air time and ground time is going to be significantly more important. Um, and, and, you know, it's going to lead to the athlete being successful or not successful is how fast of a contact they can produce and how much air time they can use to float. Now stride length is, is slightly different. So stride length has a lot to do with uh, our ability to hit the ground with a hard contact. So being able to impact the ground from above. So when you talk front side mechanics, you talk all those things like what that's really helping you with is a whip from the top position down to the ground. And when you hit the ground, you, you basically uh, project yourself forward. And if you can't do that really well from the front side, you're not gonna have great stride length, even if you get more flexible. So really the point is, is that each of these phases has a physical skill that's attached to it. And those physical skills, we're talking in early acceleration, late acceleration and velocity, you could fill that. You could fill those buckets up with things that don't take a lot of uh, training age or skill to learn. So, drills are very hard to learn. Um, if I tell you, "Hey, run like this," that's very hard to learn. But it's not very hard to learn how to sprint with a sled, and it's not very hard to learn to push something heavy or to work one drill in isolation. Um, I think right now what we do and one of the problems that we approach to. Uh, the training speed is that we give a very broad approach. But even if you weren't going to individualize your approach, you still need to hit on all three of these qualities. And you have to be able to do it on a consistent basis. So that's a huge factor is filling those buckets. Now, once you fill those buckets, and let's say like you, you know, you've had an athlete from 14 to 18, and they've, they've grown up and they now they're national team level. All right, well, now I think it makes sense for you to start looking at technical things. I don't really think that you have to be an expert to coach speed. Athletes have already sprinted before. It's not the first time they've ever sprinted. So you just filling these physical buckets, same way that we, we might do strength conditioning, where you know, you're you're getting athletes stronger. There's there's gym teachers that are strength coaches in high school and there's nothing against gym coaches. Like that's that's not necessarily um they're not a college strength coach, they're not a scientist. They have expertise in what they're doing, but it doesn't take the world's best to teach kids. And that's kind of where speed is gone, especially in soccer, is that only specialists should, should teach this uh, speed thing. 
but anyone can really teach it. Anyone can really do it as long as you're filling the physical bucket. Now, back to what we were talking about for um, technical. Once you fill those buckets and you're reaching a point that you've succeeded in filling the bucket in the sense that you you, you can move weight, uh, heavy weight, you can move lightweight, you can move fast weight, you have a fast ground contact time. Um, you know, you, you filled your physical buckets of having good impulse, having good stride length, but there's still something missing. The technical will tell that story. And really what we're looking at is three levels of technical. The first level is can you project? So projection is incredibly important in the beginning of a run, but it's important over the entire course of a run. So if an athlete can project, that means that their hip travels on every step. Their hip will travel horizontally or vertically and horizontally forward on every step. So you'll get distance between where the hip lands, where your hip is at contact. All right. So that's the main thing we look at. You could also look at shoulder projection and acceleration. But the really the first thing I want to see is can you project your body forward? The second thing you're looking at is switching. So can the athlete switch their limbs when they're front side leg is attacking down towards the ground, is their backside leg moving at the same time? If it's not, we're typically going to have some type of cyclical action out the back, which is a risk for hamstring injury. I want to make sure the athlete can switch so when they finish at toe-off, when they get to the end range of their sprint or their step, they can fly that leg back to the top and swing the top leg down. All right, so that's switching. And then the last one is just being reactive. So, um, you know, are you are you reactive enough? Like there's a lot around there. So that if the athlete can swing the leg down, but they don't have a stiff ankle, they don't have a stiff foot on contact, we know the athlete is going to drop their hip on contact. So do we have the right amount of dorsiflexion for them to attack the ground? Do we have a high enough hip to attack the ground? Is their torso in the right position to attack the ground? So all these types of things will pop up when we look at video and technique. And then the last piece is really tertiary or third in, in line is like we might do some physical tests that don't have anything to do directly with sprinting we might look at how strong are you like a trap bar deadlift is a really good way i remember ryan flaherty back in the day did a lot of work with the force number now force number is great in this bucket i think it's there's two generations away from what actually happened in, in sprinting but you do have to have a prerequisite strength. I, I do agree. Now, the next thing you might look at is how fast can you get that strength? So if you have access to a force plate, you might use an isometric mid-thigh pull and see how long does it take to get to peak force. That tells us a lot about rate of force development. It tells us how fast can we produce um, a high force. All right. Then from there, you might look at power. So power can be measured pretty easily using a CMJ which is a counter movement jump. So start tall, drive your hips down, hands on the hips, jump as high as you can. Now, if you don't have a force plate, you can you can measure jump height, or you could use the My Jump app and even get time to take off and things like that. But really the outcome we're looking at is if you compare 100 guys on a team, you could get a great normative value for how high guys jump per position, offensive defense, for height, for weight, whatever, whatever you want to break it up, you can look at how powerful it is and compare someone is comparison to their to their peers. All right. Now the last thing we look at is are you elastic enough to run fast? 
Now, you don't need to have elasticity like a 200-meter runner, a long jumper, to be super successful in soccer or other sports. But there is a quality of elasticity that you need. So if you're just, you know, in the in the gym grinding and getting stronger and getting stronger, uh, your, weight nu- your weight numbers are going up, but you're not able to be reactive and elastic and have the tendon health in order to produce fast ground contact times or high speeds, then you're going to struggle when it comes to higher speeds. So the elastic side of it might look like a lot of um, plyos. It might look like speed strength in the weight room, so fast, moving lightweight fast, um, you know, the velocity side of the power. But an easy way to test this is just the RSI. So this could be a drop jump RSI where you drop off a box and you measure jump height, measure contact time. Uh, you might do a 10-5 RSI where you do 10 hops in a row and measure the average of the top five. Uh, you could even do an RSI mod, which is going to tell you time, you know, time to take off and jump height and those things. Like the point is, is that there's a measure for each of these qualities that that you're going to be using. There's a, a really good group out of Houston that that's doing some really nice work with this, and they they're doing it at the NFL level and to see, to see the decisions being made and then helping the athletes get better, that's really what drives coaches. Like a lot of us coaches get into this industry and we just want to help people, right? So when I see these coaches and they're able to make decisions quickly and effectively without doing a ton of data processing, then they're extremely, extremely effective in doing their job. A lot of times, like when I look at the industry now, I think there's so many coaches that are doing data visualizations, coaches that are doing uh, you know, all types of data stuff. And, and I'm probably one of those, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely one of those people. Like I'm, I'm guilty of spending a ton of time learning data and visualization, things like that. But there's experts for that. And, and maybe that's something you need to hire for. But what you really want to spend your time on is building the framework that you're going to use to train your athletes. So going back to the original point, can you make somebody faster? Yes. Can you change someone's technique? Yes. Can you make someone faster in a game? Yes. But how you get there, it might take a specialist, it might take all those things. But truthfully, I think it just takes starting with the basic stuff. I think it starts with starting with the, the whoever's in front of the athletes the most and has the most time with them. If they understand speed, if they understand the context of how they can use speed and practice and in, you know measure in games and things like that, and they can be extremely, extremely, extremely effective. So one of the ways that I, I've been really dreaming about and thinking about is like, how do I get more coaches that understand speed just at the basic level? It's fill the physical buckets. So if you have three practices a week, you can make your practices simulate speeds and, and get the result that we're looking for. So let me give you an example. If you look at, you know, let's say it's week week two of off season, you know, and we have three training days. Now, if I'm a coach and I only have these, you know, let's say 12 year old athletes for an hour each day, and I have to get in technical work, tactical work, and I have to get in some sprint work. Now I'm probably not going to say, Hey guys, let's do an hour speed session on top of that. I mean, kids now have so many competing demands for their attention. So what I would probably say is if I could have the warm-up section be 100% focused on building physical qualities, 
and pushing and nudging some of these qualities forward. And that would be the outcome that I'd be looking for. So what I would propose is three days, three opportunities, three 15 minute warm up. So in that 15 minute warm up, I could achieve a number of things. I can achieve injury prevention exercises. I can get them warmed up. I could get them, uh, you know, feeling loose and ready to go. But I also can layer in some technical work and some physical work. So the technical work would look like um, a couple drills, a couple A-series type drills like walks, march, skip, vertical things, things that are very pattern-based and posture-based, but not a lot of power. And every exercise that I would select from there would add more power and get more specific to the task of sprinting. So I might start off with an A-walk, and then I might transition all the way through the point where we might do switches or triple switches, right? Now, the next thing I might look at is adding more power. I might do a power skip. I might do a power skip for distance. I might do a broad jump. And then finally, if I'm working that day one early acceleration, I'm going to do some resisted sprints. Like I'm going to do, hey, we don't have resistance bands. Okay, we'll have the kids hold their hips and, and have them sprint, right? Or just do early acceleration type exercises like a push-up start or a kneeling start or whatever. All right, so that would be day one. Day two, I'd really focus on kind of that transition, that middle phase. And I would focus on drills and exercises that are working on the qualities that I want them to have in practice. And I'm patterning and giving them the postures that I'm looking for later on in practice. So, you know, that could be very similar drills, but when it comes to application, a light resisted run, or it could be build up type runs or in and out, those types of things that involve um, an acceleration while I'm already at speed. And then the last day I would focus on higher speed. So drills can be the same. You could add in dribbles if you know what that is. And if you don't, you can check out the YouTube, but I would add in some high speed exposures. We know that if athletes are exposed to greater than 90% high speeds on a weekly basis, the risk for injury is significantly reduced. So if I was able to, to bleed that into that third day, it would be great, right? Now that's layer one. Now if I would get a deeper layer is maybe I could even, even get some exposures in practice. So, Hey, today's an acceleration day. We do a warm up. We have 15 minutes. Now, what do I do next? Well, you have an opportunity to design drills and get drills that are specific to the physical task that you're looking to do. So if you're looking to, to, to do acceleration day, there's soccer specific, or let's say football or lacrosse specific, whatever. There's specific drills you can do that are in the context of the game that involve acceleration. So it might be um, accelerating where everyone's standing still to a ball, or, you know, there's ways you can incorporate it into the game. Now, what would a transition day look like? So if I, if I take the players that probably do transitional acceleration the most, midfielders, there's plays that are longer field, more higher speed type exercises that involve an athlete going from fast to faster. That that slight change in speed is what we call late acceleration. Um, there's multiple opportunities from a technical and tactical standpoint to achieve that. And then lastly, max velocity, there's definitely easy, easy cases that we can have players maximally sprint to get exposure. So if you do layer two, now we're starting to look pretty, pretty dangerous. And now the next layer is to add in some type of objective measure to look at these players ability over time so a goal would be to, to 
I have all these athletes tested in some type of metric to see how they're improving. Now, I'm not expecting coaches to go out there and test 50, 60 different things and get all this info. I think the most important thing is how fast the player is. So baseball did a great job with, with pitching and fastballs. And, you know, they had these, you know, they have all the types of uh, radar guns and things like that. Now they have cameras that measure how fast somebody throws. Now, if I go to any high school in America and I say, how fast is your, is your pitch? All the athletes, all the pitchers know how fast they pitch and they know how fast it is relative to other people. But if I go and ask how fast are you, almost nobody understands how fast they are. And that's what we're looking to change. So what I'm proposing is that athletes get out there and they do some type of velocity test. They see how fast they run. And then it's really important for that athlete to know how fast they run in relation to other players. And then other players their age, other players their age and their weight, other players their age, their weight in their city, right? So you can understand where you, where you match up, right? So you can, you can train, you can get better, you can do all this, but what's really going to drive adoption for your athletes is a test and getting them to understand the test is not for selection. It's not for who's going to play this weekend. The test is literally to show you how much you progress week to week. And that's what we're looking to build here. And that we're looking to build a community of athletes that want to improve on a weekly basis. You can run fast every week. You can run two runs a week, right? What we're looking for is communities of athletes that are competing against athletes all around the world to see how fast they can improve and how fast they can actually get. It's not just about, hey, this kid ran track, he ran 10-2, he's the fastest. It's, it's also about the ability to consistently improve and get faster. Thank you for listening to the Less Following Podcast. If you do me two massive favors, first, please rate the podcast and give it five stars if you enjoyed. If you didn't enjoy it, please still give me five stars. <laughs> Second, please share this podcast with another coach, an athlete, or a parent who wants to learn how speed is developed. Thanks again for listening and check out the podcast description to learn more.